The Informed Traveler with Randy Sharman is brought to you by mygrouptravel.ca. Got a group? Want to travel? Get a quote. Go to mygrouptravel.ca. And to listen to the show online, go to theinformedtraveler.ca. This is the Informed Traveler Radio Show. I'm Randy Sharman. Our hotel spotlight is brought to you by Pipestone Travel Store Traveler Shop here. See their website at pipestonetravelstore.com. And as we mentioned at the beginning of our show, this week is all about Denver, Colorado, where we enjoyed five days last week there at the IPW Travel Conference. And one of the great tours we took included a visit at the historic Brown Palace Hotel. It's located right in downtown Denver. It has a fascinating story behind it, and I got the privilege of sitting down for a few minutes and talk with Deborah Faulkner. She's a hotel historian with the Brown Palace Hotel. The website is brownpalace.com. And here's how that went. You described the room that we're sitting in right now. Uh, it's the Roosevelt Presidential Suite. Yeah, it's one of three presidential suites here at the hotel. And um, the designers in 2000 selected two presidents from very different periods of Western history to theme the decor in the two new suites that they added. Our original one was the Eisenhower Suite and named for him because of all the presidents who visited the Brown. He spent the most time because Mamie was a Denver girl and her mother lived on near by Lafayette Street so they would often stay here during his administration for four weeks or eight weeks at a time. But in 2000 they added two other presidentials and the designers selected um, Reagan so one of the suites is done in this California ranch style with mission style doors, walls treated to look like stucco, leather furniture, rod iron fixtures, horse pictures, you get the idea. (laughs) And then this is my favorite suite in the whole hotel the Teddy Roosevelt. So it's Edwardian style, lots of dark wood paneling Mm -hmm. and wilderness and wild life touches because he was a hunter and a conservationist. No trophy heads, thank goodness. Um, it's supposed to be very reminiscent of his Sagamore Hill estate on Long Island. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, now we've got to back up and start with the history lesson of the Brown Hotel itself because it's, it's got such a colorful past mm-hmm. and even the surrounding area of the of Denver where it's located has a colorful past. So let's chat a little bit about that. Okay. Well, when that hotel was built in 1892, this was kind of at the intersection, I always say, of politics and commerce. (laughs) Because 17th Street was the Wall Street of the West with all the banks and the stock exchanges and all of that, um, mining exchange. And then over in the other direction here, we have the State Capitol building. And um, that's actually how our founder and namesake started his fortune. Um, He donated 10 acres in the middle of his homestead property as a site for the Capitol building, not because he was especially generous or civic-minded, he knew as that building rose, all of his surrounding property would suddenly be in great demand for the state office buildings, fancy houses of the wealthy. So Henry Brown's homestead became our Capitol Hill development. That was the beginning of his fortune, and that was the way he was able to finally finance this grand hotel. Um, Took four years to build. When it opened, August 12th, 1892, it was as Henry C. Brown's Palace Hotel. I'm glad we kind of squished it since then. And at that time, total cost to Build and furnish 125 years ago of two million dollars, because besides being architectural gem, technological wonder for its day, with its own electrical generating, coal burning dynamos in the basement. Mm-hmm. 
its own artesian well that still supplies all the water and every suite of rooms had hot and cold running water, flush toilet, shower baths right from the beginning. And we were one of the first so-called fireproof hotels constructed in the United States. Our architect, Frank Edbrook, was from Chicago, where they'd had a little trouble with fires in the <laughs> 1800s. So beneath the stone veneer of the building, the entire superstructure is iron, steel, concrete, wow. not a bit of wood. And even in the floors and the interior walls, it's hollow terracotta block, a type of ceramic. So they bragged about this on our letterhead for years. Absolutely fireproof hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and from the moment we opened we were considered one of the three best hotels in the entire country at the time wow. definitely destination hotel of the west and from the beginning we attracted heads of state celebrities the social elite the business and political movers and shakers all the best people we like to think we still do describe a little bit about the, the surrounding area because um historically the the way the streets run there's an interesting story around that right right so when they laid out the streets in original denver which was down around our larimer square area about a mile south of here they ran everything parallel and perpendicular to cherry creek when Henry Brown laid out the street grid in his future Capitol Hill development, he just went with the cardinal directions, north, south, east, west. And where those two different street grids finally intersect in this part of the city, you'll notice a lot of these weird triangle-shaped <laughs> blocks and strangely angled streets like Broadway that make everyone nuts. All Henry's fault for not sticking to the plan. But it did make a very unique building. We are a perfect right triangle shape, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell me about the hotel today. I understand uh, well, just some basics, how many rooms you have and some of the amenities. You have a spa now, so a lot of the luxuries that people are looking for nowadays, right? Right. Um, a lot of, um, I guess you would say, update things, but a lot of sort of throwback things mm-hmm. as well. Um, we're one of, I think, only two places in downtown with a special license from the city that actually allows smoking indoors in our Churchill Cigar Bar. Mm-hmm. So people can smoke cigars there, cigarettes. We do draw the line at the funny stuff. <laughs> I always say legal in Colorado, not legal in the brown pack. Um, We are a unique property in that we have three main restaurants on site. So you can enjoy three different, completely different restaurants without ever leaving the premises. Um, We've got the oldest of the three right now is the Ship Tavern. Weird thing to have in Landlock, Colorado. Um, Story from that is hilarious because um, the hotel owner at the time, he was the owner for most of the um, 20th century, bought a collection of 15 gorgeous scale model sailing ships up in Cape Cod, brought them and gave them as a surprise gift to his wife, Edna, who I think was less than keen on decorating her whole mansion in big toy boats. So clever lady that she was, she suggested that um, the new tavern he was going to open in the hotel to celebrate the end of Prohibition, so it was 1934, Mm -hmm. that he do that in a maritime theme, a nautical theme, and she'd be so happy to contribute her ships for display and get them out of the house. So I always say the moral of this story is it's good for your marriage to own a hotel. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that's sort of your hearty tavern fare. Yeah. Um, Palace Arms Restaurant is our high-end fine dining dinner-only restaurant. Um, home also to an amazing collection of Napoleonic-era European military antiques. Mm -hmm. And again, these were acquired by C.K. Betcher on his travels to Europe. He always had a thing for Napoleon. I think they're kind of having a garage sale in France after the war. So um, that restaurant opened in 1950. And then the other one is Ellington's Restaurant. That space has been a hotel restaurant since 1900, but there have been six different versions throughout the decades. And the one thing all those versions have shared in common is 
live music featured mm-hmm. in some way or another. Um, so 30s and 40s, they had the Brown Palace Orchestra played for dinner and dancing. 50s, 60s and 70s, they had the San Marcos strings who were wandering musicians in horrible Liberace jackets that would come <laughs> around and serenade you at your table. And nowadays, even though it's our breakfast, lunch, and brunch restaurant, they continue that live music tradition with our Sunday champagne brunch. There's always a live jazz combo that performs. Um, now, this is the longest... Uh, continuously opened hotel. It's never closed. Right. Never closed one since the day we opened, August 12, 1892. Um, you know, so many grand hotels all around the country during the Depression did mm-hmm. real nosedives, and a lot of them never really rebounded. Um, I think the way the Brown survived was um, the very business-savvy Betcher family, who must have quickly figured out in the Depression that there was not going to be um, that much call for um, big private dining parties as they used to have up here. And they also recognize that even a lot of the wealthiest people in Denver, their friends, mm-hmm. were having to downsize their living arrangements. So they decided to convert our top two floors here, eight and nine, into private residential apartments in 1937, the Skyline Apartments. Mm-hmm. Very prestigious, very pricey address. But the steady income from those permanent residents allowed the hotel part to continue operating without sacrificing any elegance or excellence yeah. throughout the Depression, World War II, and beyond. Mm-hmm. So I would say successful early experiment in what we now call <laughs> mixed use and yeah. think we just made up. They were doing it way back in the 30s. Exactly. So there's, there's two components to the hotel now. There's a newer component uh, on the other side of the, yeah. the street, right? Yeah. In the 1950s, Colorado had a big post-war tourism boom, and the hotel wanted to add about 200, 250 additional guest rooms. And, of course, the hotel completely occupies this triangle-shaped piece of land. So they built across the street a tower annex um, across Tremont Street and it was called the Brown Palace West. It had about 230 additional guest rooms and we are still connected to that property with a sky bridge over Tremont. Mm -hmm. But that name caused a lot of confusion because people would book over their sight unseen expecting this elegant historic hotel (laughs) and then being a little disappointed because it was relatively modern. So nowadays that property has a Holiday Inn Express brand and people's expectations are greatly exceeded because you'll never stay in a Holiday Inn Express like that in your life. There's actually a service tunnel under Tremont Street and all of our housekeeping staff goes back and forth. Room service goes back and forth. Front desk engineering everybody. So for quite a bit less per room per night you're getting all the service of this historic Brown Palace and if you want the history you walk across that sky bridge. So it's a pretty great lodging value a lot of people don't know about. Yeah you get the best of both worlds. Uh, It's a fascinating story. It's a beautiful hotel right in the heart of of uh, downtown Denver and Deborah Faulkner, the uh, hotel historian with the Brown Palace Hotel in Denver. Thank you so much, Deborah. You are very welcome. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. The Informed Traveler with Randy Sharman is brought to you by mygrouptravel.ca. Got a group? Want to travel? Get a quote. Go to mygrouptravel.ca. And to listen to the show online, go to theinformedtraveler.ca.